Hello and welcome to the D1 Softball Podcast. I'm your host, Tara Henry. As always, we are excited to bring you the best of the best in college softball. After the show, head on over to D1Softball.com for the latest stories, coaching scoop, international softball news, fall schedules, and more. If you subscribe today, you can use Podcast 20, that's P-O-D-C-A-S-T 20 for 20% off an annual subscription. We are excited for today's episode that features 2022 year in review. I'm now joined by my co-host, easy for me to say, Brandon Potkey. Ree, how are you doing this week? I'm doing better. I'm uh, the deep freeze. I'm thawing out here and I have electricity and that's all positives and no pipes burst. So there you go. I'm on the, the New Year's looking good compared to last week, which is a little treacherous here. But uh, and thank God I'm not traveling on Southwest. That's another thing. I feel bad for everyone stranded. I I'm, can't even imagine. Ironically, my brother got me a gift card to Southwest for Christmas, so we'll see. (laughs) How are you doing? I'm good. I'm lucky as well. Didn't have to do any traveling this holiday season, so didn't have to get on that Southwest uh, uh, bandwagon that I've been seeing all over Twitter and nightmare for a lot of people, but uh, just a good holiday season here on on the West Coast. The weather is always uh nice here so <laughs> yeah i remember those days when i wasn't having to pay for living there that uh you get what you pay for you guys deserve it for all the taxes you pay to have a nice christmas <laughs> yeah exactly yeah i think it was 70 77 uh, on christmas day i think we were all walking around in tank tops and and uh, barefoot but all good at the henry household uh very great uh holiday season here uh so this episode, we're going to have a little bit of a special episode. We're going to do the year in review, look back at what happened in uh, 2022 uh, and looking forward into 2023. So we'll start kind of at the beginning of the year. We had uh, an announcement that the PAC 12 adding had added a conference tournament for the first time. So we were seeing the SEC with their conference tournament, the ACC conference tournament and how that that was such great exposure for those conferences. Uh, and then the PAC 12 decided to add the conference tournament heading into next season. So Ree, what do you got on the PAC 12? Yeah, that was obviously something that we kind of had saw coming. And now, you know, fast forward to the end of the year. Now we have every major conference has a conference tournament because there's more that have added since then um, to kind of fill the whole circle. And uh, it's, it's long overdue. The thing is now with uh, which is another 2020 development with PAC 12, Uh, losing UCLA to the Big Ten, like how that's going to impact that conference tournament now. So that'll be interesting to see. It's kind of another domino that fell later. Um, But all in all, it's always a good thing. Like as long as they can get it maybe broadcast once this new TV deal comes on a wider scale where more people can see it. I think that's a great thing. It it helps to uh, just just kind of maybe give some of those teams that are a little lower, maybe a chance to improve their seating. I mean, most Pac-12 teams by that point have kind of sewed up things not quite as big of a deal as the major, as the minor conferences where you can earn a berth. But um, I just think I had to do it because every other, everyone else was doing it. And um, it's always a good chance, like you said, for more exposure for a conference like that because people tune in that time of year to look for some conference tournament games. And to be honest, Rhea, I don't know that all the coaches were actually in agreement because of what you just said. I think the Pac-12, their ability to 
make the t- conference tournament or make the NCAA tournament um, made a conference tournament a little less uh, appealing because it's almost like a gauntlet for them. They, they beat up on each other all season long in the pack. And last thing they want to do is for, you know, UCLA to play Washington heading into uh, the postseason. But uh, with that said, it did get passed and the PAC 12 will have a conference tournament next, uh, next year. So that's the PAC 12 adding a conference tournament. Then really season began, and and we talked a little bit about this, but OU, uh, would they dominate again? Was it going to happen? And and so begins the legend of Jordy Ball, which our Graham Hayes wrote about Jordy Ball and and her emergence in the D1 softball world. Three thoughts on Oklahoma and Jordy Ball entering uh, this, or, you know, stepping on the stage. Yeah, definitely that was the main storyline heading into the season. Would that continue? Most people thought it would. And then we obviously, you know, that along with the Jocelyn Allo home run record watch that we were on for the first few months of the season, which those two things kind of figured that that would happen. And they did, you know, there wasn't like any of those surprises. <laughs> um, a stacked roster that had just won a World Series and had almost everyone back continued their march with a few other, uh, you know, transfers. And so, Hint, hint, this new year, it sounds like about the same thing. I mean, you lose Aloe, obviously, but yeah, just a tremendous offensive juggernaut that is that program. And it, we saw it from the, you know, the Mary Nutter that first few months of the season where like it was a pilgrimage where the fields were just overrun by fans trying to watch the games and marching all the way to Oklahoma City and winning another title. Um, kind of a, it seemed predestined and Alo did get the record and Jordy Ball emerges an ace, even though, Sadly, she couldn't obviously have the postseason she quite wanted with some of the injuries, but we did see flashes of what we can expect to be a really, really exciting career and see her stalking around that circle a little bit more coming these next uh, three seasons. So just uh, you can't really I mean, the superlatives on that team and their numbers they put up and just the amazing things that Patty Gasso has done and, you know, obviously too with the stadium announcement thing and all the NIL deals, they're kind of setting the standard for how money can be made in college softball and a program that is a money generator um, and a school that has now invested in that knowing that they need to, because they've dictated that that is the worth of that program. So uh, just a, a quite a model to follow and hopefully more programs can kind of get to that standard where um, they are thought of as a preeminent, you know, program on campus alongside where football and basketball usually only reigns. Um, they've made a softball and, you know, Oklahoma softball school. So it was really cool to see that and just, uh, you know, had a few, few, like, I guess you could say threats, but nothing really sustained. It was like, oh, you know, maybe they'll lose a game, but uh, just a tremendous season. Yeah. So that's uh, Oklahoma softball. We'll get into them uh, as we get obviously closer to the end of the season, but then we kind of moved end of February. Uh, Carol Hutchins surpassed Mike Candrea with win number 1,675 in a 3-0 victory against Northern Kentucky. And Hutch obviously retired at the end of this this season, but what she's meant to the sport of softball, to Michigan softball, to Michigan athletics, uh, to women uh, in general, and and the fight for, for Title IX and, and what she's done uh, as, as just an incredible role model for our sport. Uh, for her to get that win and be on the top was pretty cool to see. And, and we saw that at the end of February. Re thoughts on Hutch? 
Yeah, her and Kendra were kind of going back and forth the season before. And then once he retired, it was kind of, you know, as long as she lasted one more season before <laughs> she retired, it was kind of preordained that she would probably get there unless they completely went in the tank, which they didn't. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's not much. you I mean, She just very if there's someone that's, you know, those two are very deserving to be at the top for all they've done for softball, for all they've done, like you said, for especially Hutch, for female athletes in general, Title Nine, just her own story. She's basically like a you know model for Title Nine and what she's done for women empowerment um, and what she's meant to the school. So uh, good to see her on top. Like you said, we'll probably discuss her more as we count down the year, but um, definitely a, a special moment for her and one that, um, you know, the whole softball world celebrated the time rightfully so. So that was the end of February and then we'll move into March. We had, like you said, re mentioned Jocelyn Allo was chasing the home run record. We got to the point where teams weren't throwing to her. We had, we had some exchanges on Twitter between the OU faithful and, and I think the rest of the country and people wanting her to be, you know, to get some pitches, but I was able to fly out to Hawaii and watch her break the home record in her home state uh, around uh, all of her, her family and friends and probably arguably one of the greatest sports moments I think I've witnessed uh, in my time here. And it was truly special and to see her, uh, surpass Lauren Chamberlain and to do it in Hawaii was uh, inc- incredible and just um, huge for our sport as well. And I think seeing how much of an impact that had, not only obviously on softball, but um, it was all over. It was, it was all over ESPN. It was in sports center and, and um, for her to be an ambassador to the game was, it was pretty incredible. Uh, Ree, what were your thoughts on that home run chase? Yeah. You couldn't have scripted it any better. You know, you know, the unfortunate part was it was obviously, in a game that not many people got to see so late at night, you know, and, but to have it happen in her home state, um, that's going to be the case if that's going to be the case, you know, because that's just, you know, the the time difference and everything, but really cool moment. And it was definitely a really, really loved that just for her and for all the people that kind of supported her as a young child. And we, you know, her, not, you know, her struggles for her family have been detailed in terms of trying to get her exposure and get her over here and get some, you know, places to see her and, recruit her and the, the sacrifices the family made so it was really cool for her to be able to celebrate with that community because you know especially we know how tight the Polynesian families are and kind of just they all help each other so that was really neat. And to the fact that there was a uh, you know all her old youth teammates and high school teammates could be there for her to see it um, that was a really cool moment it couldn't happen you know at OU in a home game that was like the best place to happen and um, I think a lot of people were counting to see like, okay, what would, you know, what would she need went to have to have it happen there? And it turned out to happen. So just a, a, something she'll never forget and a really cool storybook ending in terms of that, you know, finally getting that home run record. And I was able to be on the field after she hit the home run record and she did obviously numerous interviews. And I think it was a collective sigh of relief that, you know, for her, but more for her teammates, right? Like she just, at that point, I think she was, she, she just wanted them to keep kind of playing and not the focus to be on her in this home run chase. So huge relief and to see her family and friends surrounding her and um, hugging her and just crying and just being so happy. I I think it still, again, to this day, uh, an incredible moment in women's sports history. So that's Jocelyn Allo uh, breaking the home run record. Uh, And then we lost a legend just shortly after in Joan Joyce. And for those of you that aren't quite familiar with Joan Joyce, a former coach at Florida Atlantic University. We've got an article up on the site that really details kind of who she was and her story. And uh, 
she was just an incredible human being. And again, we talk about Title IX. I think Joan Joyce is right in that story. More than a decade, she struck out Ted Williams in an exhibition softball game. Uh, she was already a professional athlete. Uh, she played softball, also call, or golf as well, and just a, an incredible ambassador for for women, again, kind of along those same lines. But Re, more on Joan, Joan Joyce. I, I know you covered um, her team significantly significantly and knew her uh, much more or better than I did. Yeah, just, I mean, her own, like you said, her own story as an athlete, and she kind of paved the way for Title IX and in trying to fight for those, you know, she was just a tremendous player herself. And I think we, most people know her as, knew her as a coach in this modern day because she, the, so long ago she played and she coached for so long. But man, just the, uh, just the stuff she did as an athlete is phenomenal not just in softball other sports and some of the I mean some people still claim you know one of the best pitchers they've ever seen and I obviously can see her in person but just reading the stories and kind of just what she did ahead of her time or what we consider ahead of you know when women's athletes got the spotlight they deserve um, definitely a trailblazer in that sense kind of babe Diedrichson type in my mind and you know doing all that stuff and doing it all well and then just continuing to coach well into I mean you know she could have retired 20 years before and just really was she loved it I mean she was she just loved being out there with the in paying it forward and teaching um and literally did it you know I mean till her death basically and the impact she had on so many players and never really sought the spotlight just wanted to do it was you know just just a really really inspiring person and uh, never like I said never did it because she wanted all the credit she just wanted to she just did it because she loved it and wanted to help others. And uh, I think that's probably the best thing you can say about a person. Um, and just her imprint on the game, I, I'd encourage everyone, like you said, to go back and learn more about her because I think there's a lot of people in this generation that maybe didn't know. And once you start reading that stuff, your mouth drops, like, oh my gosh, like if she had been playing today, who knows, like it would have been all over everything. Like we would have heard tons about her. So, but she enabled her players like her, what enabled these players today to get more of that spotlight. So definitely just a, uh, a legend in and a player as a coach and um she just she she made an impact on so many you know players and coaches today and just a tremendous loss but yet such a well-lived life that she fulfilled almost everything I think she could have probably ever set out to do you know I, I just taking a look at some of those numbers and just to put it in her perspective she had more than 150 no hitters 50 perfect games and 750 wins in her career she was part of the first post-Title IX attempt at professional softball, uh, playing in an International Women's Professional Softball Association. And she also represented the United States in basketball in the 60s and volleyball. So yeah. the woman is, and and played on the LG, LPGA tour in the 70s. I mean, are you kidding me? Incredible. So like Ree said, please go back and, and read all about Joan, jo Joan Joyce. Uh, and gosh, she's simply uh, one of the best to ever do it. And again, another pioneer uh, for the sport of softball for women uh, in general. So that's Joan Joyce. Uh, then we head into the, the middle of the season. We get into to super regionals, regional super regionals. Uh, and I think this is the first time we actually somewhat agreed with the selection committee. Ree, what do you got uh, on uh, the field of 64? Because I think this is one of the first times I've actually agreed with what they did. Yeah, I wasn't, there was really no, like, I mean, you can always find something to be pissed about. Like everyone does. That's like the yearly thing, like in every sport, oh, this person snubbed this team. But honestly, I think, you know, they, they did, they, I didn't have many qualms. I mean, like little things here and there, and that's a hard thing to do with you know, the travel things you have to consider. 
So great job with the committee. Um, I know they always get, no matter what, they're going to get, you know, crushed, but I never really, cr- I just, I, I know how hard of a job that is and, and nothing's ever perfect and teams will surprise you and teams will like underperform. So, but yeah, really, really thought that was, that was fair and um, people earn what they got. Even the teams that ended up making it, they were quote unquote unseated and surprised their seasons didn't warrant getting seeds at the time. So they got hot at the right time and made the run good for them. But that doesn't mean you were supposed to be seated number two. I mean, at the time you didn't, you had a really bad stretch. So yeah, c- c- uh, kudos to the committee um, in getting it right and providing some entertaining, you know, matchups too, which is always, that's, you know, not something that goes in the forefront of their mind, but it turned out that way. So yeah, really, really um, no, no, no major outrage with this for me. Yeah, well, as you said, Ray, Texas stunned Arkansas, right? And then UCF got to host, uh, but also Florida State loses to a hot Mississippi State team, uh, but then heads to Starkville and gets beat by Arizona, who we didn't know was even going to make the tournament. Uh, And then we get to the Women's College World Series, and I think we're all thinking, you know, is OU going to be able to do it again, you know? I think you and I and the rest of the staff were pretty confident that they could, but I think we talked about this earlier when Jordy ball was limited in her innings and suffered an injury. I think there was a little bit of a question mark there on if Nicole may could step up, if, if hope top Ryan could step up for the Sooners. And I think we saw just that, but re thoughts on the women's cold World series. Yeah. And I would stick with like Texas Arizona, Oregon state getting there too, was kind of one of those surprise teams. And obviously they, once they got there, they had an unfortunate situation where their best player uh, wasn't able to perform or play for reasons that never really stated. We kind of, kind of got a, a, a some guesstimates, but yeah, I just, uh, <laughs> it was, I mean, when you're looking for reasons for anything you, that, like you said, I mean, hope had never pitched you know, at that high of a level before coming from North Texas, which is great program in itself, but just that's a different stage. And Nicole May had pitched before, but not really been the ace in that situation. So I think we were all looking for something, which turned out to be, you know, that offense could, you know, erase any, it could throw me out there and they would probably still outscore the other team and still win. So um, yeah, but it was a really, I was really entertaining. I mean, some of those games like UCLA puts, you know, they, they made some runs and obviously Texas was the team that, you know, took that quote unquote, they were the ones that really played up that like everyone, you know, no credit to, even though we know that, their start of the season probably didn't warrant any credit for a while and they got hot late. So just a lot of entertaining storylines, Oklahoma state being back there as usual. Um, but in the end, we all knew who was going to come out on top unless, you know, five, like the flu wiped out their whole lineup. I think we were pretty secure in the fact that they would eventually be holding that trophy again, but I was really delighted by some of the games and I, I really thought it was a really good world series, you know, being that we kind of knew who might be the winner, I still thought it was very entertaining. And that's always what you want. You just want good games or to see great players perform on a big stage. We saw some amazing defensive plays. We saw some great home runs. So I thought it was a really, really well-played and really fun World Series and had tons of storylines that we would have never anticipated. And you told us three weeks before that. So it was pretty cool. Yeah, and and watching Texas from the beginning of the season to ending up being runner-up at the Women's College World Series, Again, an incredible run by the Longhorns and what Mike White and his staff did to prepare that team um, to be uh, there in the end. I mean, it was simply really impressive to see. So Longhorns, um, obviously runners up the Women's College World Series and the Oklahoma Sooners uh, with another national championship under, uh, was it four Natty Patty? Is it five Natty Patty now? 
believe so yeah Eight, yeah. six, five, eight, ten. <laughs> <laughs> so that's uh, the Women's College World Series. Then we'll hit some international ball. Ali Carter leads Team USA at the, the World uh, Games in Birmingham, Alabama. USA, uh, it's a little bit of redemption for uh, Team USA beating Japan in a 3-2 victory uh, at the World Games. It was Janae Jefferson with a bases clearing uh, hit to score three. She's the one that uh, put the the runs up on the board for Team USA, but it really was Ali Carter in the circle uh, shutting down uh, Team Japan. And again, like we said, uh, some redemption uh, for Team USA after uh, the loss in the uh, Tokyo Olympics. Re thoughts on uh, the World Games in Birmingham? Yeah, just kind of a changing of the guard. You know, we're kind of transitioning into you know, losing some greats and, and retirements and obviously kind of, you know, seeding the way to some new faces and new names and with a few other stand, obviously standbys like Allie, the veteran, and she did her job well and uh, some new blood like Janae coming in. And so, yeah, that was kind of the first glimpse we got it kind of what, you know, the post Kat Osterman, you know, although Monica's still going, she didn't, you know, we still know she'll eventually probably be still in the mix, who knows, but a lot of transition from that Olympic team to this new team. So, um, a good way to start out. And again, it's not, you know, it's different than that stage of the Olympics, but still getting a, getting a win had to feel good against Japan and kind of, especially on home soil and getting that experience and uh, Haley McClendley being back in Alabama and performing well, which was kind of cool. So just, yeah, it's just a good way to kind of roll into that post-Olympic, um, you know, doldrums and kind of maybe re re-energize the, the squad there. So that's the World Games in Birmingham. Then we'll head to Athletes Unlimited, they had an AUX series, which uh, Daniel O'Toole won. two-week series in San Diego at San Diego State. And then Deja Mulipolo won the title for the actual championship series in Rosemont, Illinois. First time a position player has won the title. And, you know, I think I was there on week one, and we talked to, I talked to a lot of the players about it, saying, hey, can a position player actually win this thing? Because it, it had been historically been pitchers. Uh, with a Kat Osterman uh, and Acostio with Daniel O'Toole. And they really believe that a, posi- a position player could. And Deja proved that that could happen. Just an incredible performance by her uh, in Rosemont. And great to see that league thriving. It continues to grow. And an unorthodox format is now turning into something that, you know, we're quite used to. Re thoughts on Athletes Unlimited? Yeah, I mean, I know it's it's a small sample size, but by far the best of the league, the 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 games I've seen, like just game for game, was just thoroughly entertaining all the way through. I mean, I was very very, you know, it was a great season, very competitive. You saw great players doing great things, so many great like web gems, and the fact that um, you know the TV rights to ESPN was huge. That was a huge thing for that league because it got more airtime, people could get access to it, they could see it. And I really think they saw the level of play that's there and kind of got more used to what they're doing. And I still honestly don't understand all the scoring. I'm going to say that like, sometimes I'm like, Oh, that's okay. What, but it doesn't take away from anything. You still like, even though they're switching teams, I, I admit, I was like at the beginning, I was like, how is this going to work? But it's been great. And the players embrace it. And they really, it's just that level of play was amazing this year. And I was, I'm really excited for it. I think it's got a really bright future. And like you said, I mean, Sometimes the players will say on record they love things, and then you kind of hear behind the scenes. I've heard nothing but just complete, like, everyone loves this format and loves the the weeks they spend there. 
and that's a great thing because the you know you want your players to be happy and with other pro softball leagues in the past we haven't heard that but this is the first one where i've heard where everyone just really loves it and that's key and i just hope it keeps growing and growing um obviously it's got other sports with au but the softball has been amazing to watch and it's a great thing to fill the summer like when you want to still see some of your favorite players so i i was really impressed and deja put on a show man the arizona girls this year they were a between Asia, Deja, uh, Lisa Denham, and Danielle O'Toole, it was a good week, good Arizona comeuppance in this uh, in this this season for AU softball. Yeah, the cats showing showing up. So that's AU Athletes Unlimited. We'll we'll move into some more pro softball news. Uh, the Vipers uh, in the WPF uh, joined the Vipers and uh, UCSA Pride, and then announced uh, that was a basically a two league. Oops. series i don't uh, know what it was i'm honestly i'm excited for it but it was an exhibition type yeah debut exciting news is uh just uh, just been announced just earlier uh, in the fall that the okc spark so they'll have a team in oklahoma city uh, and a team in texas as well so hopefully get to four teams in that pro league and Jocelyn Allo attended the ESPNW summit and announced that she had been traded to OKC Spark uh, during that summit at, at the end of it, which I, I think that's really going to spark some interest and uh, no pun intended. Uh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, on my third cup of coffee uh, and uh, really ignite, I think, that league. So it's starting to grow. I think at first there were question marks on on how it was going to be sustainable, but we're starting to see them move in the right direction and hopefully get some some more uh, games and teams uh, involved in that league. Reed, thoughts on Jossie and the WPF? Yeah, that was something that I think I, if I was Lauren Chamberlain, who's I would have been like, you know, for the good of the league, we need Jocelyn Al to be traded to the OKC Spark. Like they just need that because they need they need to have a crowd at those games, and she's going to draw anywhere, but obviously in her you know, where she played college, she'll draw more. Um, you know, I'm still, I want to see how it turns out. I, it's great. You know, it's going to, it's a slow start and I good, it's a good buildup. Um, I'm hoping that it can do much better than the previous, you know, standalone leagues we've had that feature full teams in, in cities, but I think they're being very strategic and very cautious with it, which is good because we've seen how that's turned out before when you just kind of throw stuff together. Um, but promising start so far in terms of the names they've added and, um, just really hoping that they can, you know, they can sustain it. And I think they've learned less, hopefully they've learned lessons from past leagues that have folded. And, um, but when you have someone in charge, who was a player and kind of knows some of those stumbling blocks that can always help. So really excited to see that. And, uh, yeah, I think Jocelyn will definitely help, you know, the Q rating for the, for the league and help to drive some fan base to uh, come out and watch. So that's the WPF and we'll close here with the D1 council, uh, talking about, uh, changing all volunteer positions across Division One sports, including baseball and softball, into full-time paid uh, positions, so that uh, a volunteer assistant role is looking at potentially being a full-time uh, assistant role. We we saw that discussed at the NFCA. The NFCA also discussed fall recruiting. Uh, should there be fall recruiting? Do they want to get rid of it altogether? Uh, that was a big hot topic at the NFCA. But I do think, Ree, this this push and move towards making that volunteer a full-time um, position uh, is important for our sport and will help those that um, couldn't necessarily uh, 
receive funds, obviously, from the university to to allow them to receive funds uh, in that position. Thoughts on uh, the D1 Council, Re? Yeah, it's, it's been long overdue. I mean, they've needed to do this. I know not every college can afford to do it, but that's not a reason not to do it. We need the ones that can. We need more, like, even, I, you know, I don't... I, gender obviously doesn't matter but this will give more spots for young females to become coaches a great way to get more coaches that can have a sustainable living and not be living you know as a grad they've had a lot of I just I, it's long overdue and other sports have way more coaches we, I mean god forbid football's got like 42 coaches and 17 analysts on staff so I think that they can afford like to maybe ax two of those to add to baseball and softball um yeah definitely long overdue I'm happy to see it Selfishly, as someone that, you know, tries to help low-income kids get into sport, I'm hoping this can maybe lower some camp fees now because most third assistants, quote-unquote volunteers, made their salary from camp fees. So, but skeptical me as a journalist thinks that they'll just add another assistant that's a volunteer assistant and keep the camp fees the same and pay that person this. But we're hopeful. hopeful. Um, but yeah, it's definitely long overdue because these people put in just as many hours and kind of, like I said, rely mostly on, you know, camp fees to pay their salary. Um, so hopefully that'll just expand the coaching pool and get more quality coaches involved and maybe even, you know, attract some that maybe didn't want to or couldn't afford to serve as a volunteer assistant. So really, really happy to see that change. And hopefully maybe, you know, we'll even add another in the coming years. If all these TV deals go through, they can add some more, uh, maybe make four or five, you know. I mean, that, I think that would be great for not only our sport, but like you said, young female coaches to get into uh, the game or stay in the game. Uh, well, I think that's it for our small year in review. I mean, we could, we could talk about loads more, but those are all the kind of hot topics. Re, any, anything to add that we've kind of missed? No, I think the one, just the, you know, which is, we're going to talk about this less and less as our year in reviews go on, but just the transfer portal continuing to be a big story. Um, just some huge movements like all other sports in college. This isn't softball specific. And honestly, it's probably less in softball than you get in a lot of, you know, football and basketball. But we've seen some big names changing teams. I think we're going to, you know, with the NIL and transfer portal, those are going to, those are still stories now in 2022. But I think as we revisit this, when we're talking in 2026 year in review, it'll just be the new normal. Um, and just coaching and teams adjusting to that and kind of realizing what it is. And I think something to look for on the horizon, obviously, is potential of players being paid in college sports. That's something that we should look out for in the new year and kind of some of the legislation that the NCAA is going to get taken to court. So will softball players become paid athletes soon in the college level? There's a lot of rumblings about that, but um, definitely the transfer portal NIL is still something that this year was kind of a, a prevalent theme. Um, as I said, I think that'll be less and less as we move forward because it's going to become the new normal, like a lot of things, but um, definitely has had an impact. And we're going to see that impact coming up once we start these games here, because there are a lot of big names that are on new teams now. Yeah. And you can head onto the site. We've got all those transfers uh, categorized on the site of the transfer portal. Uh, where they've landed as well. So Brady Vernon's taking care of that uh, on our transfer tracker on d1softball.com. That's it for the year. This That's going to close us out for, for 2022. Uh, thank you all for, for being with us all year long. I think this is now, let's see, we're in our fourth year here, third third year, heading into our fourth year at d1softball.com. Uh, and Rhea and I have been here since the beginning, and we appreciate each and every one of you. We're still standing, um, baby. That's we're a, still, it. Started, a, we tried to launch during the COVID year, and we still made it. Let's let's celebrate. That's a reason to celebrate the new year in itself, baby. We, we sustained it. So, yeah, yeah. it definitely. 
we appreciate everyone's viewership, readership, everything ship. And uh, it's been a fun experience and I've enjoyed it. We've, we've had fun together, so it's been great. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Happy New Year to you and your families. And gosh, I think we're almost a little bit over a month away from, from softball season. So get ready. We're going to have some great content up on the site. We'll have uh, conference previews. Uh, we'll have some from freshmen to watch. And again, transfers. Uh, we'll, we'll get those uh, all categorized for you so you can get ready heading into the season. Tara Henry, Farian and Podkey, D1Softball.com. Uh, we'll see you all next year.